السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا مولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى اله واصحابه وازواجه وذرياته واهل بيته ومن تبعهم باحسان الى يوم الدين وبعد so we uh, continue inshallah uh, in just a short minute or two uh, from where we left off in the reading from Ibn Abi Zaid's Risala from the Kitab Al Kitab Al Jami' and Babu Jumalum Min Al Faraidi Wa Sunan Al Wajibati Wa Raghaibi. Just with a, a brief reminder, there have been a number of I guess inquiries that I received over the last, I would say week, week and a half. And really they're not unique to the last week and a half. I just got crammed with a bunch of them. There are a number of, they wanna do something. They see something's wrong in the world. They see that uh, Islam needs some help and some service and they wanna do something, which is a good thing. It's a sign that people own up to the ummah, that it's their own, they feel it's their own ummah, which they should, which is itself not a bad thing. But then what happens is they kind of, in their desire to help the ummah, they go rogue, uh, or they, I guess, cut themselves some amount of slack. And there's a, a, a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu we read uh, the other day in the other online dars that I do uh, on the uh, Facebook page of the Islamic Center of Cleveland, and uh, it's worth it's worth reading. We read from Sheikh Tamim's compilation, sacrifice sacrifices, or sacrifice the legacy of our beloved Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, put out by Noor Publications. Um, uh, and you can go to the website noorpublications.org and order any of these books. They're printed and sold at cost. And if somebody wants uh, actually to read the book, then uh, they'll send them to you. So they'll send them to you for free. But my request is that you don't take them if you don't intend on reading them. So you can follow that darsh if you want. Sheikh Tamim also has his own reading of his book, which is probably better than mine, um, that he that he puts on uh, his own SoundCloud. And you can read along with that as well. At any rate, the 21st hadith in the collection, An Ash'ath ibn Sulaiman ar-rajulin min kinanata قال رأيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بسوق ذي المجازي يتخللها يقول يا أيها الناس قولوا لا إله إلا الله تفلحوا قال وأبو جهل يحثي عليه التراب ويقول يا أيها الناس لا يغرنكم هذا عن دينكم فإنما يريد لتتركوا آلهتكم وتتركوا اللات والعزاء uh, that uh, the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he was in the Suqa Dhul Majaz mixing with the people and pleading with them oh people say La Ilaha Illallah so that you may be successful and Abu Jahl is like throwing dirt at him A'udhu Billah uh, and saying oh people don't let this uh, man uh, cheat you with regards to your deen 
uh, all he wants is for you to leave your gods and to leave Allah to Al-Uzza. الحارث ibn al-Harith al-Ghamidi قال قلت لأبي ما هذه الجماعة قال هؤلاء القوم هؤلاء القوم قد اجتمعوا على صابئ لهم قال فنزلنا فإذا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يدعو الناس إلى توحيد الله عز وجل والإيمان به وهم يردون عليه ويوذونه حتى انتصف النهار وانصدع عنه الناس وأقبلت امرأة قد بدأ نحرها تحمل قدحا ومنديلا فتناوله منها والشرب وتوضأ ثم رفع رأسه وقال يا بنية خمري عليك نحرك ولا ولا تخافي على أبيك قلنا من هذه قالوا زينب زينب بنته and so this other hadith which describes a similar scene uh, that Al Harith bin Al Harith Al Ghamidi he uh, narrates uh, that uh, he said I said to my father uh, uh, when in public one time you know seeing a, a a scene like the one that was described in the previous hadith <clears throat> and uh, he said that these these people they've gathered around a sabit lahum sabit is like a sabian um, sabians are a group of people you can go YouTube uh, has like documentaries about them you can see it's a, it's a small uh, like monotheistic cult in Iraq uh, that worships one God and their uh, worship like centers around centers around uh, various biblical uh, personages as well as other personages from the East and they wear white clothes and they have you know the rituals are centered around uh, ritual purity using water so like wudu and ghusl and things like that those are their forms of worship uh, amongst other things and so you know traditionally they're like silversmiths and you know skilled workers in, in the markets of Baghdad <clears throat> but they existed from before Islam but here it's used the word sabit is used as a like a, as a derogatory slur like these people are like weirdos they're not like actually Arabs or whatever so that they've gathered around a Sabian of theirs uh, um, and so they said that when we kind of came closer, uh, we saw the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa calling people to worship one Allah, uh, mighty and majestic is he, and to have faith in him. And they are arguing back and forth with him, and they're harming him, you know, like throwing dirt and, and, and calling names and all sorts of torments. They're tormenting him sallallahu alayhi wa which is... I mean, it's not the, the point is not necessarily of bringing this up is not to mention, uh, but a person should call to others uh, who uh, call other people to that which is right. And oftentimes that's socially awkward. And if a person finds themselves in such a situation, then glad tidings to him. And if you see somebody else doing it and it gets awkward, don't like say, oh, I don't know these people. Like, you know, don't distance yourself from them because they're following the the noble sunnah, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And uh, if it's awkward in this world to be associated with such people, it will be awkward on the day of judgment even more to dissociate yourself from such people. Our protection is in Allah. And so this kept happening until the midday. And uh, the people at midday left. 
because it's really hot. It's really hot at that time. So a woman came to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and her like some portion of her neck was was exposed, and she was carrying a a, a, a container of water and a towel. And he, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, took that container and he drank from it, and he uh, made wudu from it, and then he uh, lifted his head, his mubarak head, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and his noble head, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he said, "Oh, my dear daughter, cover your cover your neck, and uh, don't fear for your father." And uh, we said, "Who is this?" And the people said that that's Zainab, his daughter. Uh, so the point of mentioning this hadith is what? Is if you're going to do something, do it right. Don't have this like savior complex that like, oh look, you know, Islam is falling and I, you know, I'm the solution and like whatever I'm doing right now, that's like the important thing and like everything else is not important anymore. And I'm going to save Islam and I'm going to have to like go in and save Islam in the same way Mitt Romney uh, uh, saves uh, companies that are not making a profit by cutting this and slashing that and saying this is important, that's not important and restructuring it, repackaging it and making it anew and giving it to people. And the only way we're going to save Islam is not through tajaddud but through tajdeed. It's not by spinning it into a something new that it wasn't uh, there from before. But given that this is a Maliki fiqh class, Imam Malik ta'ala, uh, himself was the one who mentioned that this is such an ummah that the last part of it will not be saved except for through the means that the first part of it found salvation through. And so look at the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, even in the time when the people are not accepting the most simple of precepts of deen, the most rational of precepts of Tawheed, of deen, that Tawheed, that there's one Allah Ta'ala and that idol worship is not going to benefit you, it's not going to profit you. Even then when they're throwing dirt on him, A'udhu Billah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and even when they're they're saying foul things to him and doing foul things to him, <clears throat> even then he kept the system going in its intact. It doesn't require tajaddud. It doesn't. We don't need like like there was Coca Cola Classic and then there's New Coke. New Coke is all, again to the way it was practiced from before. Uh, that he, he didn't at that time say, well, I'm dealing with this like really big high priority issue right now, and we don't have time for little details. He actually told his his blessed daughter, who was going through difficulty herself. Imagine the Prophet Sallallahu difficulty, and then her difficulty seeing her beloved Baba والسلام, being treated so poorly by people. And imagine his difficulty above that of seeing his daughter in distress, and all of it what so to tell people not to worship idols and to tell people not to um, not to worship wood and stone, but to worship the one Allah who created the heavens and the earth from nothing. Uh, the one Allah Ta'ala who promised them that if you worship me, I will give you I will give you honor and I will give you leadership over every other uh, nation of the earth. And he gave it to them. When they finally straightened out, he actually gave it to them. He didn't use that the 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 the, the like immenseness and the grandness of that moment as an excuse to jettison any part of the system, as an excuse to like brush off any part of the system he still told her my dear daughter uh, your neck is exposed from here so so cover it up and don't worry about your father uh, so why do i mention this i mention this because we have many people who have this like they they kind of like see islam 
there's some something that's suboptimal about what's going on with it, how people are treating it, how people are viewing it, how people are practicing it internally, externally, etc. And so they want to pick up the flag and like take it forward, you know, vulture capitalist, venture capitalist type way of like taking a company that's quote unquote failing and then making it lean and restructuring it and and somehow making it into a new form that's that's going to be successful or positive, which to a degree is fine. Yes, bid'at, we cut them and throw them out. Uh, things that people are doing haram, we cut them and we throw them out. Uh, and not necessarily in such a blunt way, uh, if able to, then in a blunt way. And if it requires some love, we do it through love. If it requires patience, we do it through patience. If it requires some tough love, we do it through that tough love as well. But you don't cut out and throw out those parts of the system that are needed and necessary. Ilm, if you want to talk about ilmi issues, those the ilm itself is needed and necessary. You can't throw out the ilm if you want to talk about ilm. If you want to be an ideological defender of Islam and it's not worth your time to learn Nahu and it's not worth your time to learn Sarf, it's not worth your time to learn the Arabic language, it's not worth your time to read the basic primers, the intermediate primers of fiqh, it's not worth your time to read a madhab from the madhahib of the sunnah, it's not worth your time to read the books of of Aqidah and the books of Kalam. It's not worth your time to read the books of Hadith and what the ulama say about these things. If it's not, none of that's worth your time, then it's not really, this is not how you are going to defend Islam. You're not gonna defend Islam ideologically. That's not your thing, okay? You do something else, do something that is worth, if it's if you're like an Olympic runner, then, you know, when you're up on the, on the platform getting your gold medal, you know, like, make a ishara of la ilaha illallah or in the interview afterwards say you know we should be good to one another we should worship one god and we should be you know good to one another and we should take care of the orphan do do the thing that you can do do it properly what's the problem the problem is this is that like you know people people will start commenting and they'll get into these like really deep fights and these grandiose uh, arguments one with the other and then, then they'll get stuck or they'll realize like, oh, maybe I'm in too deep or whatever. And then they'll be like, oh, Sheikh, is this hadith sahih or not? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess I could go look it up for an hour or whatever. Why is this relevant to you? You know, uh, you know, is a Sheikh, is this, is this actually the fatwa of the madhab or is the madhab have another fatwa? How am I supposed to know? And furthermore, why do you know? This is like completely out of order. Why are you even asking this question? Like, 20 abwab of fiqh you need to learn before this. Why is this the thing you're asking? Because I got into an argument, I got stuck. I said, look, if you want to defend Islam, if you want to get into arguments with the people of Batil and you want to stop them, then learn Arabic, learn Tajweed, learn Arabic grammar, read a mukhtasar in fiqh, read a mukhtasar in aqidah, read a mukhtasar in all these different ulum. Get to that place where you can do those things, inshallah, then defend. And, you know, <clears throat> this came up and you may feel like, oh, he's beating a dead horse. He's talked about this before. If it isn't like the thing that literally every day I have to deal with like several times, I wouldn't have brought it up. Well, lie. But my children, for example, I, I heard them, they're talking about the three little pigs. What an awkward thing for like Muslim kids to be talking about, right? Pigs, haram. They're so haram. Not just in our sharia. But in the sharai of the Anbiya alayhi salam, pigs are haram. What are, you know, it's just not it's just not a nice animal. But still, yet here are Movisab's children talking about the three little pigs. So I asked them, I'm like, isn't it weird? You know, like I guess you guys go to like public school and that's not like 
it's not like Abu Hanifa is your principal or nothing, right? Nizam al-Mulk is like the superintendent of your school district. So like, okay, you guys understand that your teachers are not Muslims, so like whatever. But the story of Three Little Pigs, if I were to write it, I'd write it a little bit differently, you know, to suit a, a different aesthetic. But it's still a good story. And there's a reason that people teach, teach that story to their kids at school. And there's a reason it's good for you guys to learn that story of the Three Little Pigs. What do you think that reason is? And so one of my one of my kids thinks about it and she goes, she goes, the reason for the story is if you don't build the house out of bricks, then the wolf, when he comes, he's gonna blow it down. And so I go, Well, that's really good. That's the point, right? That's the point, is that the only house that survives is the house made out of bricks. I go, so that house that's made out of straw or that house that's made out of whatever other uh, you know, feeble material, I don't even remember anymore. It's been a long time, you know. Um, <clears throat> if the wolf is just going to go and blow it down, is there any point? Does it have any benefit whatsoever? And they're like, no, it doesn't. I, which is the only house that gave any benefit to the piggy? They're like, well, uh, just the, the brick house, the rest of them were all a complete waste of time. They were not even ma worth making in the first place. This is my message I want to share. I shared it with my children. I gave them this bayan first and I share it with myself and I share it with you as well. I myself am guilty about this. Allah forgive me. So I remind myself and remind everybody else in, in the process. When it comes to your deen, the only part of your deen that will survive the storm of shaitan's attack, of the attack of the kuffar, of the attack of the dunya, of the attack of your hawa, the attack of your own nafs, your own ego, which is like the, 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 the kutta that if you leave it for five minutes, it will destroy everything. It is that dog, if you don't keep it on the leash, if you let it off the leash for just five minutes, it will be on the leash and behave properly for 40 years, for 100 years. If you let it off the leash for five minutes, it can destroy everything. If it doesn't survive the attack of the, the that dog, if it doesn't survive the attack of this world and the attack of the, the, the severity and the calamity of the hereafter. Any point where that house gets blown down, any point, any of those pack of wolves that are going to attack that house, if it breaks at any point, it's just like the house of the straw that the, the piggy pig pig made. And I asked the kids, I go, you know why they say pig? They, why they say wolf and why they say pig? They say wolf because a wolf is a very vicious enemy. It's not going to have any mercy on you. And they say pig, why? Because a pig is soft and feeble and unable to def defend itself. In their culture, they eat those things. It's just flesh and fat. There's really like no ferocity in it whatsoever. And it's apt as an analogy because we are so helpless in front of these enemies. We're so helpless in front of the nafs. We're so helpless in front of Allah forgive, forgive us and protect us and keep the, the sitter of, uh, of, of his uh, uh, mercy uh, covering our faults. We're so helpless in front of the nafs. We're so help powerful men conquered the entire world. And when it comes to the nafs, they have no defense against it. You know, we're so helpless against the, 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 of other men, Napoleon conquers half of Europe and conquers all the way to Egypt. <clears throat> and then what happens? He gets destroyed and imprisoned, and he becomes a, a, a you know a shattered uh, remnant of a human being thereafter, and never wins again. We're so helpless in front of the qahar of other people, and if we're helpless in this world, if we're just like a helpless morsel of flesh that like a little clump of DNA can like shut down our entire economies and grind everything in our entire civilization to a halt. Muslim and Kafir, white, black, brown, man, woman, old, young, everybody. 
If we're so helpless in this world against all of these enemies, imagine how helpless we're going to be in the hereafter. Whatever you build, if you don't build it out of brick, if it's going to get blown down by the wolf of any of these uh, of any of these calamities, then it is a complete and utter waste of time. It is an utter waste of time. This is something that I uh, a lesson that I learned the hard way. And unfortunately, I'll still probably learn once or twice or a couple of times before I die. All of us are going to learn it. Tuba, glad tidings to the one who learns this lesson. Do things the right way. Do things the right way. For the sake of Allah Ta'ala, do things the right way. If there's somebody better to learn Maliki Fiqh from than me, and you know, like, secret, there's a lot of people like that. Go to them. It's hard. It's easy to click on a YouTube channel. Go to those people. If they only speak Arabic, learn Arabic and go sit in their dars. Why should you uh, let this, you know, Paki like pretend like he's, uh, you know, some sort of uh, charismatic uh, ritual holy man that like, you know, shoots lightning out of his fingers. You can go study from my own mashayikh. They're all still alive. You know, Ilam inshallah, most of them are still alive. You go study from them. You can be my equal. Study better than I did. You can be uh, ahead of me. Build something that will last you, that will not be shattered by the dunya, that will not be shattered by your nafs, that will not be shattered by the, your ego, will not be shattered by your enemies. You make a fool of yourself when discussing things in front of other people. And then oftentimes what happens, people go into all these like great like wars. This is a war. Ideology is a war. Culture is a war. You know, it's uh, uh, the law of the jungle. It's like Darwinian level survival of the fittest. They'll grab the flag of Islam and walk into the, uh, walk into the battlefield. In any of these, in any of these uh, 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 different, like Madin, in any of these different uh, uh, planes and battlefields, uh, and what will happen? They'll get completely trounced, and then they'll be like, "Oh, you know, there's this is wrong with the tradition. That's wrong. With the tra Nothing wrong with the tradition. Tradition is just fine. The tradition is just fine. They built great empires and they built great civilizations based on it. You weren't ready. You jumped into the fray before you were ready. Because of that, now you have." crisis of faith in hadith and you have crisis of faith in fiqh and in the sharia and in kalam and aqidah and things like that yeah and you weren't ready so you're going to say oh well you know this i have this etiraz and that etiraz and like william lane craig and all these weird complete habis disingenuous people who uh bear hatred toward islam in order to prove their own aqaid they have to go look in the books of our mashaykh and you're going to say that like our aqidah has something like uh, that 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 doesn't that doesn't make sense to you and it's because you didn't prepare for it Prepare for it, brothers and sisters. Prepare for it. Build the house out of brick. Don't be this like, like uh, big defender of the deen and defender of the madhabs and defender of, of the tradition and defender of the ulama and defenders of everything. But you don't want to learn nahu and sarf. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. And billah. I ask you by the name of Allah subhanahu wa taala. Don't be that person. Whatever lack of preparedness I have for this, Allah forgive me. You know, people are like, well, we just wanted to be. We just wanted to be a. Um, we wanted to be a bridge between the ulama and between the public. But hey, don't you know the best way to be that bridge is to actually go and learn, to actually go and learn. If you really want to be a bridge between the ulama and stuff, stop commenting about hadiths and about bayans and about this and that, and like go raise money and write a check. You know, go and like donate land or building or stock or. You know, go show up and do khidma, sweep the floor and things like that. Let the ulama uh, that actually learned, let them do the talking. I, I try, I tried my entire life. If anyone ever asked me a question, if anyone ever offered me a job, if anyone ever offered me a position or a platform, 
my, my, my level best attempt was what if I knew anybody who had more knowledge than me or who was better prepared for it than me, I would take my reward by pointing those people in that direction. Don't jump in and be a squatter in those positions uh, lest you put yourself in a, a, a precarious position for your dunya and for your akhirah. So the last hukum that we read yesterday was uh, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbidding the consumption of meta of that uh, meat of that animal that died or was killed in any uh, way or by any method other than ritual slaughter. And so there is kind of a corollary ruling uh, uh, that's tangentially related to that uh, prohibition that's mentioned. So what happens, obviously, all of those things that died in a way that is other than proper ritual slaughter, um, all of them are haram. And it doesn't matter what, uh, you know, whatever your conference-based fiqh has told you about, if it's not pork, just say bismillah and eat it, and everyone in America is a Christian. And everyone in America isn't a Christian or a Jew. And uh, if it's not slaughtered, if it's not ritually slaughtered, it's not, it's not permissible. And a Christian or Jew has to slaughter something. If they slaughtered something, um, then there's an argument for its permissibility. If they didn't slaughter it, however, if it was killed by a machine or something like that, then the machine is neither Christian nor Jew. Or if it was slaughtered by someone and you're like, well, they must be a Christian or Jew, as if everyone in America is a Christian or Jew. Go remember in your high school how many people claim to believe in God and how many people didn't and tell me, uh, tell me, tell me what level of surety you have in that. Uh, but without belaboring that point, he said that the person who, the person who uh, is in idtirar, in dire need to eat, and the definition he gives is that that person reaches a point where if they don't eat that meat, they're gonna die. La hayata ba'dahu la linafil jins. That there's no type of life any sort of definition of life that that person can fulfill without eating that thing so it's either eat eat this this unslaughtered meat or you're going to die then the sharia offers a dispensation that a person can eat from it then and the person the the condition of having to slaughter that animal is then waived and uh, it's permissible so this is another thing people are people oftentimes will say that oh well yeah we should eat we should eat halal no actually you kind of have to eat halal you know like it's not a good sign it's not a sign of being a high class person when you boast about things that you are expected to do anyway like i pays my bills like you're yeah you're supposed to pay your bills I raise my children. You're, that's what everybody does. You're supposed to raise your children. It's not something to brag about. At any rate, people say, well, yeah, I, I eat halal, but like, except for when I'm at college in like whatever uh, uh, armpit Iowa, uh, where there's no halal meat that's available, then because of need, I'll eat over there. But when I come back to Chicago, then uh, I don't, 
you know, I don't, I don't eat that stuff anymore. Then I'll only eat at, at a halal restaurant. I'll only eat at Mr. Brost or at Senor Jalapeno or Bumper Burger or whatever galaxy of Hafsa halal advocates approved outlets that we have. For more information, go to hafsa.org or halaladvocates.org. The issue is this is that what? When a person says they have a need, it doesn't mean that it's like inconvenient. It means what? The need is defined as there's no life for a person if they don't eat that. They will literally die if they don't eat that. In that case, then the condition of having to slaughter the meat is waived and the person can eat. In that condition, once a person reaches that condition, it is uh, permissible for them to eat from it. And there is a diff uh, difference of opinion amongst the ulama. Should a person just keep eating the bare minimum to stay alive? Or can a person at that point eat enough to uh, eat their fill? And uh, the position Ibn Abi Zaid uh, uh, seems to prefer is uh, that a person is allowed to, is allowed to what? Is allowed to eat their fill, but they don't have to eat the bare minimum. They can eat their fill. And in the commentary, it's written as what's written is as long as he doesn't he doesn't expect reasonably to be able to uh, find something else to eat before he's going to need to eat again. That person can also take provisions from it and pack those provisions and carry them with him and keep them with him. Uh, and then later on, when that person no longer needs them, if they are able to hunt an, an animal in a, in a halal way or they find people that can provide them with halal food, whether it's meat or vegetarian or whatever, and that person no longer needs uh, to eat that food. And the need here means what? It means that they'll die without it. And idtirar, darura and idtirar in the in the vocabulary, the mustalah, the technical vocabulary of fiqh, it is not just like, there's a difference between darura and haja, uh, that it's not just like, I need it, like, I need that new PlayStation game, or even like, I need a new pair of shoes because my old pair are starting to wear out, which is a need which is more intense than the need for a PlayStation game, but less intense than the need we're talking about here. Idtirar or darura is that need without which, in general, in general, it's that need without which a person will die, or they'll become sick, or they'll become crippled, or they'll become homeless, or they'll be, you know, be injured somehow permanently, or uh, they will be uh, exposed to some sort of danger in their deen, or they will, you know, some really, really major catastrophic thing will befall some vital part of their humanity. In general, here in specific, he says that it's limited to what that you're going to lose your life that you're going to lose your life. You can't live uh, thereafter. So the person has to avoid it like that. So I'm sorry, you know, like if you want to eat the, look, you want to eat at Burger King, you want to eat at McDonald's, you want to eat at McDonald's and Burger King, first of all, you're not a very smart individual and you don't have a very sophisticated understanding of any, of the culinary arts or, uh, you know, what's actually good for the human body. But, uh, Whatever, nobody's perfect. Everyone has sins. Allah Taala keep the 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 sitter of his uh, of his mercy 
that over us and uh, protect us from the creation, knowing our our faults and our bad deeds. If you want to keep eating and keep eating, it's haram though. I'm just telling you it's haram and you don't have an excuse for it. Unless you're like in the middle of like whatever DR Congo in like a war zone and uh, there's nothing to eat except for like that one like McDonald's in the middle of the jungle. Uh, so basically, no, you don't got to eat it. Don't eat it. But uh, that's that's what that is. But a person, if they're in, in the situation where they're going to die, they can eat their fill and they can take provisions. And then when they don't need it anymore, they toss it, they throw it away. At any rate, so now he mentions, uh, he comes to a different class of rulings. And he says, what about, you know, he answers the question of what about the, the jild, the hide uh, of an animal <clears throat> which is not slaughtered properly. This is one of the masail in which uh, Imam Malik Taala differs from the other imams. The other imams considered the hide of an animal once it's tanned to become pure, to become tahir, because the tide, the tide, the the uh, hide which is tanned, not the tide, the hide which is tanned, it undergoes the process of tabdilul mahiya that it's. Uh, undergo some sort of essential change and uh, because of that essential change having uh, been affected the ruling on the hide is different than the ruling on the tanned hide is different than the ruling on the hide before it was tanned because an animal if it dies through any process other than ritual slaughter all of it is najis the only one animal which uh, when it dies uh, uh, unslaughtered uh, it, or uh, unslaughtered is pure is what anyone want to take a guess uh, the only ter terrestrial animal uh, mammalian I shouldn't say mammalian uh, the only terrestrial uh, vertebrate animal that dies uh, and is pure in death even if it's not slaughtered anyone want to take a guess at what it is it's people it's a human being it's a human being all other animals, if what if and when they die, unless they're ritually slaughtered, the entire body is considered to be najis. It's considered to be ritually impure. So the other imams they cited this as a, a, a matter of precedent due to uh, the opinion of some of the aslaf uh, that uh, this is a ruling that comes from the pious generations that. The, uh, the the hide once it's tanned it becomes pure whether or not it, it was slaughtered Malik dissented he said no he said that this is a rule and this rule uh, requires a, a type of proof in order to be in order to be uh, overwhelmed by exception which he did not feel was met and so his fatwa is that the untanned hide is najis and the tanned hide of the unslaughtered animal is najis um the, the untanned hide of the uh, unslaughtered animal is najis and the tanned hide of the unslaughtered animal is najis it's ritually impure and 
even within the madhab, there are many muhaqqiqin of the school that that uh, gave the fatwa that that no, the tanned hide of an unslaughtered animal should be pure as well, to the point where if a mufti were to give that fatwa even within the school, it's not far-fetched. But the muftabihi and the mashur, the well-known position of the Maliki Madhab is that the unslaughtered animals hide whether it's tanned or not is impure. So look at this is really interesting the way Ibn Abi Zaid <clears throat> mentions this ruling. He said that it's it's okay, there's no harm in benefiting from the uh, from the uh, hide of uh, of uh, the tanned hide of a an animal that was unslaughtered, but don't prey on it. But don't prey on it. Uh, and uh, that's why that's in uh, in um, uh, it's it's in deference to the ritual ruling of that hide not being pure but in recognition of it, that hide having some use. So if you lay it down underneath your mattress or if you stand on it or if you you know use it for whatever, like as the side of a tent or something like that, uh, it's still useful. And many of the imams would consider it uh, permissible to use as well. But he says, just don't prey on it. Uh, and this is a, a long mas'ala and uh, there are proofs, you know, back and forth. There are proofs back and forth about the different uh, um, the different positions of the Mashaif. But at any rate, suffice to say, Malik has has a very rational approach to this issue, and he feels that 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 the rule is that 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 it should be it should be impure, and he doesn't feel like the transmitted proofs that uh, suggest that it should be purified through the tanning process are are uh, sufficient, they meet a, 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 a sort of benchmark uh, in order to be able to overturn the rule. Now, as a, as a, uh, a tangentially related mas'ala and issue uh, to this, people ask from time to time, today uh, I was asked by an imam uh, in Southern California who uh, I guess works his way up and down the West Coast from time to time. And he said, what do I say to these people who say that gelatin is halal basing their argument on the fact that that gelatin is altered significantly chemically in the lab? Look, this precept of the alteration of a material making its ritual impurity into purity, this precept is there in the sharia in some form or another to my knowledge, in every one of the madahib. Uh, but don't just be like, oh, look, the chemical structure of this thing has been altered. Therefore, it goes from being impure to being pure. So in the case of collagen, which is what gelatin, gelatin as a food ingredient is, the source of most co uh, commercial grade collagen, food grade collagen, is from the hides and from the bones and from the non uh, non-eaten parts of uh, of a number of animals whether they be bovine origin or chicken or pork or whatever and collagen is a protein and the collagen is extracted as a protein from the tissues of those animals and it still has a biologically sound protein structure to the quaternary degree. 
the primary structure of a protein being how that protein folds in uh, in its native uh, state. We have some biochem people who have more fresh information in their head than me, then uh, they can pipe in, chime in, and correct if, if I say something wrong. The secondary structure of, of a protein is the local protein-protein interactions. So like the helical shape or the pleated sheet uh, shape uh, that a protein will take. And then, <clears throat> sorry, the non-local uh, interactions. And then the tertiary structure uh, is uh, the, uh, uh, the tertiary structure and quaternary structure have to, the tertiary structure has to do with several proteins, how they, uh, you know, kind of work together. And the quaternary structure is how those units integrate with one another. So like, for example, uh, uh, hemoglobin, right, is a protein, but it's like not just one protein chain. There's like a bunch of protein chains that are, that kind of come together and they work together and they have like one structure when those different components like a bunch of transformers come together and uh, uh, they, they they do their work together. It's not just one gene that codes like one protein and that's it. So uh, <clears throat> to my knowledge, collagen, which is the food grade collagen, is a functional protein that functions to the quaternary structure. And the amount of change that it chemically undergoes in the extraction process is roughly similar to the amount of change that like a piece of meat undergoes by cooking it. And surely nobody is going to be foolish enough to say that, look, this is a pork steak and it's haram and it's najis. But then by cooking it on the grill, um, it becomes tahir because it changes on a chemical level uh, for whatever that means. So that's a, an issue that's kind of related to this. So Malik Ta'ala, he felt that, look, um, you know, neither from an aqli nor a naqli uh, position, is the change in the jill and the hide enough to justify, you know, saying that it no longer is the same thing that it was from before when it was the the un, untanned hide, uh, when it was the skin of the animal, uh, the skin of the dead animal, in order to justify saying that it went from being tahir, from sorry, from being najis, from being ritually impure to tahir, being ritually pure. And all of the other three imams uh, ruled against him and dissented with him, including uh, a number of uh, significant and noteworthy and important imams within his school as well. So Ibn Abi Zayd basically he says that okay, you can use it if you if someone has such a hide uh, of an unslaughtered animal, you can go ahead and use it, but don't prey on it. and don't sell it because uh, it is impermissible to buy and sell and transact in najasa and in things that are ritual impurity those things by the law of the sharia have no value and uh, uh, to sell them is is impermissible and the money that a person makes by selling najasa is uh, it's ill-gotten wealth it's ill-gotten wealth which we discussed at some length in previous durus uh, so there is there is no problem here la means that it's not haram uh, to pray on the hide uh, on the hide of an animal that has been 
uh, slaughtered or has been hunted properly, has been killed by either slaughtering or hunting. And so there are some animals, for example, the hides of which are are desirable, but the meat is not eaten. But even then, if those animals are domesticated, they have to be slaughtered according to the same uh, process, the same tasmiya, and you cut the cut the blood vessels. Uh, even if the meat of that animal is makru to eat or is not going to be eaten, but if you if you want to use the hide of the animal, the slaughter process is the same. So he says that there's no problem in 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 preying on those animal skins. Here, no problem doesn't mean that it's permissible. Um, in, in the sense that it's not it's not makru, but it means that it's permissible in the sense that it's not haram. In the Maliki Madhab, we have a precept that uh, a person, the sunnah is to pray on the earth and on the ajnasul ard. So to make sajda on dirt or make sajda on sand or make sajda on, on rock, on unfired, unpolished rock, uh, um, on those things that the, that the normal earth is made of to actually put your face in the ground. Um, many people uh, interpret that to mean this like sajda mark thing, uh, and I don't I don't know that that's what it means. You know, I think for I think the only reason I have the sajda mark not necessarily because of my piety, but just because I have a very heavy head and like a heavy body, and it just like bruised my my face. Maybe if I if I was like fifty pounds lighter or whatever, it wouldn't be as pronounced. But uh, in Mauritania, I've seen the simahum fi wujuhihim is what? Is that the people, because in the masajid and the badia, uh, as was the masjid of Tuemirat, uh, when, when, when we were there, and I heard that they built the masjid there afterward, and I'm glad that they have, have the building. But in the masjid and the badia, they were very proud in those days that we make sajda in the sand, like the companions, radiallahu anhum, used to make sajda in the sand. And when, you know, when I was there, I was like, you know, just like stupid pampered American. So I'd be like, uh, uh, like between every, every sajda, I would like wipe the dirt off my, my forehead and off the tip of my nose. And, you know, the people who grew up making sajda in, in those places, they like barely even noticed it was there. So much so that uh, one of the ways you could tell that the sloth was over is that you have a bunch of people walking around with like a little bit of dirt on their foreheads and a little bit of dirt on the, the tip tippy tip of their of their noses uh, because that's how they they used to make sajda and so that's the sunnah and uh, it is permissible merely permissible rather than being meritorious but it's equal for a person if they want to make sajda on something min al-ard min ajnas al-ardi wa ma tumbit al-ardu so uh, uh, fr from those things that grow out of the earth so you'll see in morocco um, you'll see that they Masajid that are you know in buildings they will oftentimes have woven straw mats in Morocco. I imagine it's like that in the rest of Andalus, but I don't or not in Andalus, but the rest of the Maghrib al-Arabi. But I'm not 100% sure. I can't speak because I've never been to Tunisia or Algeria or uh, uh, Libya. Although I'd love to go one day, mashallah. Uh, but uh, you know, in Morocco at least they have woven straw mats in the in the masajid. Uh, one of the masajid that I went to and visited uh, in my last trip to Morocco, which was I think in like 2017, 2018, yeah, the, like 2017 winter, uh, we took a tour group to Morocco. That was fun, mashallah. I told people, they're like, Sheikh, what book will you read? I said, it's a tour group. I'm doing it to make money. 
don't ask me for a discount, but we will have a fun time. And the brothers who came were so pious, they actually, mashallah, forced a dars anyway. I said, I'll teach a dars, but it's not part of the tour group. You can come to my hotel room after Fajr. So we would do make zikr, uh, make zikr, la ilaha illallah, and uh, have, have like read from, uh, you know, read from some text uh, in the mornings. But I guess, mashallah, some, 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 some of the old, OG, like, uh, uh, mashallah, uh, pious people, you know, they're, they die hard. But uh, the point was that uh, we went to one of the masajid, and I noticed that, that that's something I didn't notice from when I went to Morocco in 2002, uh, sorry, 2003, 2004, which was that some of the masajid actually had carpets now. They no longer had woven straw mats. And uh, one of the old caretakers of the masjid was a faqih. He, uh, uh, he lamented. He said that, look, they got rid of the woven straw mats. He says it's makru to make sajda on these like processed carpets, according to Malik. And he said that the najasa and them, how are you going to remove them by running a vacuum cleaner on top of it? You know, whereas the woven straw mats, if there's najasa on some part of it, you just cut it out, throw it out, burn it, and then you just put in another piece of straw mat. And what do they do? They roll them up every year anyway, and they throw them away, and then they bring new ones. And someone might say, well, that's wasteful, right? It's not. It's biodegradable. It's actually made out of grass uh, and it's made out of leaves. And interestingly enough, even in Pakistan, as far as I can tell, the madaris, the actual madrasas, almost all of them had woven straw mats. None of them had carpets. And um, that's something I wish if I if I had uh, if I had the ways and the means, I would have in in the in the masjid uh, uh, woven uh, woven straw mats as well um, but uh, when you say these things to people that this is the way our salaf our aslaf used to pray in the masajid that they used to uh, make sajda in and that it has you know such and such benefits um, uh, they you know people they look at you like you just landed on a uh, on a uh, flying saucer from uh, dimension x or whatever so so <laughs> All we can do is plant the seeds in, in people's minds. Maybe somebody, Allah Ta'ala, will give them tawfiq until that day. Even the person who's right now, while listening to this dars eating a Burger King Whopper, know even if Mulvi Hamza disapproves of what you're eating right now, the ilm of its disapproval has a higher rank than the actual conformance to the deed itself. And the one who receives both of them, that person is a great wali of Allah. And we bear witness to their uh, wilaya that a person can only learn correct knowledge and then practice it thereafter, except for through Allah Ta'ala's tawfiq. Uh, and we uh, pray for that person's success in this world and the hereafter and for the rest of us, inshallah. Make dua, inshallah, we'll get there one day. And the things that 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 we uh, know we can make dua for, and the things that we make dua for, if we don't get them in this world, Allah Taala will uh, give us the the nur of them uh, uh, in another world, inshallah, where all of us will meet one day. And I pray that that meeting is a happy one and not not one that we regret. So he says that uh, it's okay, it's it's permissible, it's valid to pray on the julud siba uh, on the. Uh, uh, um, on the hides of even wild animals as long as they're ritually slaughtered or they're hunted properly and uh, that that is makruh even though people like doing that people like like praying uh, salat on the soft lamb's hide with the soft lamb's wool on it um it's makruh in the sense that it's not <coughs> it's not one of the ajnas ard nor is it matum bitul ardu it's not a you know a, a a type of earth nor is it something that grows uh, in the earth 
So for that reason, it's makruh. But it is permissible and it's definitely it's definitely valid. And وَيُنْتَفَعُ بِسُوفِ الْمَيْتَةِ وَشَعْرِهَا And a person uh, is allowed to, uh, to to use and benefit from the wool and the hair of a, a, an animal, whether it is slaughtered or whether it is uh, unslaughtered. وَمَا يُنْزَعُ مِنْهَا فِي الْحَيَاةِ وَأَحَبُّ إِلَيْنَا أَنْ يُغْصَلَ uh, as well as anything else that can be removed from the animal during its lifetime. And uh, the qualification of this is what? Uh, those parts of the animal that life doesn't run through them. So for example, if you shave, if you shave a, a sheep, you shear the hair off of a sheep, the wool or the hair, uh, the wool is the thing that curls up and becomes like cottony and fluffy, and the hairs are the the straight, uh, those straight strands. Um, because there's no liquid flowing through them, uh, they are considered to be <coughs> permissible to use. Interestingly enough, from amongst all of the fuqaha, Malik Rahimullah considered every living thing while it's alive to be tahir, to be ritually pure. And that includes a pig. And so like, you know, as Malikis, we find disgust in eating a pig, but you don't have disgust in the pig itself. It's not, I mean, it's one of Allah Ta'ala's creations. Allah made it. It's like a living thing, you know? If you kick a pig, it's a sin. If you harm a pig, it's a sin, just like harming any other living thing. It may not be as prestigious as, say, like, you know, as a majestic blue whale or as an intelligent chimpanzee that can, you know, solve problems or as a... A, a, a noble and courageous horse that carries the, you know, the the unconscious, uh, the unconscious uh, um, rider to safety, or as the dog, which, like as Lassie, um, alerts various children to uh, dangers that other children are going through, or whatever, right? But it's a living thing, and you just can't treat it treat it like garbage. It has a certain respect that 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 is accorded to every living thing and accorded to. Uh, uh, the the creation of the the creator Jalla wa'ala. and so theoretically speaking, if you cut the hair of a pig while it's still alive, those hairs are tahir, according they're they're ritually pure. Why is this relevant? Um, many of us, many of us like to drink nice coffee in higher end coffee shops, and the the um, the special tools that they use to clean the machinery, they're oftentimes made out of bore, bore bristle, which has certain property that plastic bristles cannot imitate. And the bore bristle, it's if it's removed at any rate during the lifetime of the of, of the animal and not from the, the corpse, then, uh, or, you know, uh, at any rate, the bore bristle has the potentiality of being thought here without, without making a, a general statement. Uh, one way or the other, it has the potentiality of being tahir because otherwise, like if you're cleaning the machine with something, not just that the machine that waters and it will basically n uh, uh, najasify the entire. Uh, yes, we just coined another a new word. It will make ritually impure the entire uh, uh, the entire machine. And just let me take a look at something in the in the commentary here, real quick.
Yeah. So uh, uh, anyway, he'll 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 talk about this in a little more detail momentarily. But um, but yeah, those boar bristles. And for example, there are many uh, uh, brushes that women use for for not just for the hair, but also for like scrubbing the body. You know, like they have the scrubbing brushes for like bathing and things like that. Um, that are also made out of boar bristles. And to my knowledge, I think the Maliki Madhab is the only one that uh, gives fatwa of their tahara, that they're considered to be ritually uh, pure. But you can use uh, you can use this uh, these things that mala tahulu versus a, a, a versus a horn. Like if you cut a horn off of an animal, there's a type of liquid that that comes out of the the center of the horn, uh, which is which which is itself najis because there's hayat, there's like a liquid that comes through it. There's some sort of like living thing inside of it versus like a piece of the hoof or nail from, from the animal or like a piece of talon that there's no, that there's no uh, liquid inside of. So it will be considered uh, And so he says that, he says that uh, a person can benefit from the, the wool or the hair of a unslaughtered animal as well as those things that are taken from the animal's body while it's still alive, with the condition of it not uh, having any liquid inside of it. Uh, and he said that, but if a person were to, you know, take those things, separate those things, uh, the hair from a dead animal which is unslaughtered, or from an animal that uh, is still alive, <clears throat> it's we prefer that they should be washed before they're used. And you can't use a feather. Why? Because the shaft of the feather, there's some liquidiness inside of it. So it's not considered as opposed to the down. You can take the down, which is just the, the softy part of the feather, and, and use that. You can't take the entire horn off or the entire hoof off or the anyabiha or the entire like uh, tusk or uh, like, uh, um, what's the word for for that, that teeth, the, the, the long teeth that are. I'm not looking for canine, I'm looking for something, the fangs uh, 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 of an animal. Why? Because inside of it, there's some sort of like liquid life, lifey type stuff inside, some liquid that carries the, the, the life and keeps it alive uh, inside of it. And it is, uh, it is makru to, to use uh, the tusks of an uh, of, of an elephant, and every part of a pig is haram. And it is uh, the, a rukhsa or a dispensation has been given for uh, uh, um, uh, for for the hair, the the hair of, of, of a pig, and I think. Uh, I think uh, this is in particular for the bristles of the boar that this this uh, was used. Uh, he said that a person shouldn't think just because using the parts of a pig are haram that the the part is that the entire pig is najis pure. Even if it's a, a, a khinzir, even if it's a pig, and even even if it's a shaitan, and here shaitan I think is not a specific uh, 
reference to uh, Iblis himself, but uh, a, a, a jinn. Uh, uh, so if a person the theoretically is carrying a live pig with them or is carrying a jinn with them and they pray while holding it uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, um, the, the prayer will not be considered automatically ritually invalid although that's kind of a weird mas'ala but it's just it's mentioned to illustrate a point Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq of imbibing the halal and eating the halal and using the halal and carrying the halal, having the halal and pure inside of our houses and expel from uh, from our food and from our drink and from our homes and from our eyes and from our ears, everything which is impure and everything which is filthy and everything which is detestable to the Lord. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clean it from, our, from our, our, our hands and from our mouths and from our stomachs and from our hearts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that which is pure and make us pure and then accept us because Allah is pure and he doesn't accept anything other than that which is pure. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa alaykum as to all of the people who said salam. Make dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and protect our people from this disease and from every other difficulty in this life and the hereafter. Make dua Allah ta'ala protect the creation. Make dua Allah ta'ala hasten the opening of our masajid again. Make dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us our sins and protect us from the calamities of the day of judgment. Wassalam.